one of my mantras that I've been really feeling into over the last few years, especially since being a mum, is strengthen the spine and soften the heart. So that's kind of how I would describe femininity for me is that strength and that courage and that caring and protectiveness and all of those things qualities that come with it but with a soft heart you know with a gentle heart with kindness with compassion Welcome back to Stories of Being. I'm Ingrid and each week I sit down with people who are challenging the way we relate to ourselves, each other and the planet in this ever-changing world. This week I chat to Brooke Brash. Brooke is a mother and co-founder of Imaginal, an online platform and community inspiring evolution through connection, awareness and imagination. Brooke is really someone that understands her own kind of personal transformation and also our individual ability to create in this world. She has a really beautiful presence about her and is so kind of like grounded and light, so kind, but also has this real strength about her. In this episode, we talk everything from the power in slowing down, changing the way we view nature and our relationship with nature, feminine power, parenting, and living a life in flow. Brooke has a lot of really cool stuff going on, so I'll link to Imaginal and all of Brooke's info in the show notes, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. So to kind of kick off, I'd really love to understand if you had sat in a tea ceremony, say, six years ago, what that experience would have been like then versus sitting in a tea ceremony today in terms of kind of how it felt in your body, what was going through your mind and just the experience itself? Yeah, it's a good question. And I feel like with tea, it meets you where you're at at any given moment and it allows you to, yeah, feel that need of what's happening in your life at that point and so in saying that it would have met me at a (laughs) a very chatty mind (laughs) it would have uh, been a space where my mind was very full so not mindful but very full and I think that sometimes can uh, I guess you're not as receptive to certain things And although I do feel like it would have pointed me in the direction of where I needed to go next, um, but maybe not in the way that I would have learnt and experienced now. One of the things, though, is that I actually did have my first tea experience when I was five years ago, and I was still in the corporate world at that point. But the difference between six years ago and five years ago was in between that moment I had my version of a burnout or a collapse or whatever you want to call it. I call it mine a self-revolution stage. (laughs) And from that moment, everything sort of changed within me and I was more open and receptive to life and asking questions and I had more space to really explore what was in front of me. And so thinking about that moment, which really felt like a coming back home in a way. It's like I kind of picked it up from my last incarnation as a practice that I used to do. It just felt really 
yeah, really beautiful to be in there. And I was really captured by the beauty of it and the essence of it, artful movements and the aesthetic of the chachi and the stillness and space that I had felt at that moment and how it kind of opened a portal within me of like creativity and clarity and that's what I experienced today. So that's the differences yeah. between the two. Yes. Yeah. And when you did your first tea ceremony, you were still working in the corporate world in finance. At that moment when you did the tea ceremony, were you kind of searching for something? Were you looking to kind of move on from what you were doing and it all evolved from there? And I guess what was that process like for you come, leaving mm-hmm. corporate and then almost going in? the unknown and your next chapter I suppose yeah I mean it played a huge part in it because it allowed that space that I needed to be able to even question those things before I was just so full as I said before of all of the things that I had to do and you know even me coming into the corporate world like how I even got to there was really a pattern of success that I had created and initiated when I was eight years old of wanting to be a businesswoman with a briefcase and I wanted to be super successful because of things that happened in the childhood that impacted that and so when I got to the corporate world I was in this pattern of success that I had created for myself and I had all the resources to do all the things and be the person that I wanted to be and I just I felt like I made it in that way um, for my eight-year-old self but what had changed in me was what the pattern of success felt like that to me in that moment but I just didn't realize it yet I hadn't caught up and I guess the the messages that were coming from me the whispers that I ignored is this my life? Is this what my purpose is? Is, you know, all of those things. I was like, yeah, we're good, you know. (laughs) But they got louder and louder and louder and my body started impacting that, that response of neglect of listening to myself. And when I had that self-revolution everything started to open up and the practices like tea allowed me to question and and move into a different way yes and I guess I think I've heard you talk about this before maybe on another podcast but I think what you said was when you're just the place of being is where kind of creativity and innovation happens and like you just said it's also then when you actually can listen to yourself because otherwise there's just all of this noise and you're just in the doing mm-hmm. that you're not listening to your body and you don't have that connection. And yeah. once you actually stop, there is so much power in stopping mm-hmm. and being with yourself. Yes. You know, and of then course. that's when that's when so many things can happen and you can actually yeah, tune into what's next for you. Exactly. And it really is this like, I mean, everything that I do and every incarnation of um, projects and initiatives and everything that I do, everything centers around creating space because it is the beautiful, fertile soil of which anything can grow. Like, as you said, you know, if there's, if there's so many things in the, in the soil, you can't actually see what you're planting next, you know. So it's really important to create that space. That's Yeah, I think that's so powerful because, I don't know, it feels like currently, you know, like creating space and sitting down and meditating or doing a tea ceremony or whatever it is, is so we can then just continue doing, 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 
and it just sort of like um, halts the burnout for a second rather than actually using it as a way for all of these things to happen. Yeah. You know, so it's almost changing the way we we view just being and the space that we that we need. Exactly. I think we're so conditioned to being in that doing mentality that we've actually forgotten what being's all about, like yeah. being a human being. You know, it's in our word that we call ourselves, but we don't do it that much. Yes, no. <laughs> we don't be that much, I should say. Even my language, I was like, we don't do it that much, but it's we don't be that much. And it's it's a really uh, reshaping and um, reforming the way that we approach life. And that's what happens when you do create the space just to create space, not for produ- productivity, for example. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And was that, was that kind of shift in mindset, was that difficult? Was that a process for you from kind of achieving and doing, say, in the corporate world that you were in mm. to giving yourself that space? Yeah, was that a process and a transition for you? Oh, big time. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I made the decision and had the courage to leave um, a full-time job to go to nothing, I didn't have anything planned. Um, all I knew is that I needed to step away so that I can work out what's next for me. And I remember when I first left, it was in 2019 in April, I turned all of my rituals and my practices that I had accumulated because it took me a few years to leave, right? Yes. Um, all the things that I had accumulated and I made that my my work. <laughs> As in, I had to do tea ceremony for oh, an yes. hour and then after that we're doing breath work and then after that we're going to yoga and I was like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yes. This is not what's supposed to be happening, you know. Um, and so I had to check. It took me about a few months to kind of unravel that conditioning of, okay, this isn't actually serving me in the way that it's supposed to because it's becoming work. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm. That's And that's such a good point because it can, it, uh, you know, it's like these morning routines you see that are like so hectic and <laughs> <laughs> take hours. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it sometimes it can just feel like another thing you have to tick off. Mm. Yeah. You know, which is a, again that tricky balance. And so what was it about what was it about tea and that ceremony that, that you were drawn to and, and why did it become, you know, something that is now integral to your kind of daily life and, and practice? Yeah, I think for me, you know, previous to that, I mean, I've I always had a yoga practice since I was 15 years old. So I always had like some connection to that spirit world, mind-body connection, etc. But when I was in the corporate world, that kind of got put onto a bit of a um, the side, even though I was still doing it. Mentality, my mentality was still like doing all the things in my head, to-do list, et cetera, still showing up but not really there. And I think there was something about the ceremony that captured me in a way with like I'm, I'm a beauty lover. I love everything to do with beauty and how to create it in, in lots of different ways and not in the commercial way that we know it today but in the way of reverence and sacredness and in and, and the natural ways that we are. And the whole ceremony encapsulates that from it's a sensorial experience. You're drinking in the tea. The tea itself is a medicine. It's a plant medicine that has its own qualities. There is the 
movement, the artful movement that's within that ceremony that is not just sitting there and trying to meditate, you're just being and being mindful in those moments. And yeah, just the space. I just realized how much space it created in my life. And for me, that's what medicine I needed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Was it in these tea ceremonies play a big part in then your next kind of business and endeavour in terms of ritual community, which is now imaginal, which we can obviously chat about. But when you look back, was it moments in those ceremonies that kind of sparked, you know, these these next um, creations for you? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I have had tea ceremony as a consistent practice for over five years now and that space that it created and I alluded to it before it it allows me to like tune into this portal of like creativity and clarity and uh connectedness of information and uh ideas and so much comes out of those um, spaces of just being just like literally listening to whatever's happening inside and and also the attunement to everything that's happening outside of myself as well just becomes stronger and stronger and I for me personally within my um, like contribution into ritual community and imaginal where it was the trying to bring together all of the practices that I had experienced over those times in one space so that people could really delve into that for their for their own being and for their own awareness because everyone is so different. Everyone has a different way of relating to the sacred and themselves. So uh, that idea came through because of all of those spaces that I had created for myself. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I've been reading Rick Rubin's book, I think you'd probably really like it. It's called, I think it's called The Art of Being. And it's all about creativity and not in the sense of painting or, you know, writing a song, but just creativity of how you live your life, which I think is a huge thing. Mm -hmm. And he talks a lot about how, say, creativity or ideas kind of come through you, you know, like almost from the universe and you're this kind of vessel almost Mm -hmm. and I think like what you're saying it's like when you're in that that still moment or that moment where you have the space it's like that's when things drop in like you're saying Mm -hmm. and and these ideas and creations come through you and I before reading this book I I never thought about it like that yeah but I think it's such a beautiful way to see it and it also sort of removes yourself then from the idea, yeah. which is often the biggest block. Mm-hmm, totally. <laughs> Your own self is the biggest 100%, block. Yeah. So if you yeah, can kind of see it as just something that is coming through you, mm. I feel like then that as well gives you more opportunity to then create Yeah, because you're out of the way. Yeah, you're the vessel. You're the vessel. That yeah. gets, gets, it gets to come through you. And, yeah, there is this doorway I feel that opens. It's like a, like a visualize it as like a, like a opening, like a, like a light yes. <laughs> um, that just kind of like starts to come through. But it is, yeah, it's just such a potent space to be in, um, to create that space for yourself to just truly listen. There's just like an openness and a receptivity yes. that, 
particularly tea provides to me, but that happens to, in different practices for different people. Yes. And so that's the beauty of our individuality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so your business, I don't even like calling a business almost yeah. because it feels like so much more than that, yeah. um, but imaginable. Yeah. I've, I've read when you talk about imaginable, imaginal, you talk about this idea of the importance of healing your own self yeah. and how that um, sort of is an important part of then healing the collective. Yeah. And obviously at this point in time there's a lot of yeah. just awful stuff happening in the world and I think sometimes it can feel or it can be perceived almost as kind of selfish or yeah. not necessary to kind of work and heal your own self when there's all of or just you know be with yourself and work through your stuff mm. when there's all of this stuff happening in the world yeah but I, I just there's such a disconnect there and I think the healing of the self is part of the healing of the collective mm. so I'd love to hear yeah kind of your experience of that kind of your thoughts on it and then how that translates into the work that you do because it's such an important piece of the puzzle, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I totally understand that um, notion of the navel-gazing experience. And I, I really feel you can't have collective healing without individual healing and vice versa. They're so interconnected. And we're also governed by all of these natural cycles that are happening around us, right? There's the cosmological cycles. There's the moon phases. I mean, the moon has an incredible impact on the ocean and we are made of water too. So there's no doubt that there's a, an impact on our own personal being. There's the seasonal changes there's for women now our moon cycles and um and our nervous system cycles right there are our nervous system cycles we all have the survival pathways but we all react in different ways and respond in different ways to different situations so there are a lot of cycles that are being at present right now and the fact is that we are not aligned to our natural cycles at all and i mean we are some of us are but in general we are not and that's what causes that dis-ease and that um, sense of yeah dismay in our world right now because we're not attuning to those. So what needs to happen is an awareness. There's an awareness piece first of all within ourselves to understand the different parts of who we are because when we do that we can see the different parts of other people and that's where compassion comes through and so when we have that an, an awareness of ourselves, we also have the awareness of every single living being and our impact on that as well. So it does start with self in a way because we have to have that awareness to be able to have awareness of other beings. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think also if, if like what you're saying, if we're coming from a place that's wounded or unhealed is a very general term, we will then make decisions from that wounded place. So therefore it's hard or, you know, that place of survival, So, yeah. which isn't compassion or understanding or any of these things. Yeah. So, yeah, then the decisions that are made mm -hmm. are uh, coming from a place that, yeah, is disconnected and, and not connected to, yeah, like you're saying, the other humans in in the world yeah well, we can see ourselves in other humans when we understand who we are and 
What you're talking about, you know, when we're speaking from a certain part of ourselves that may have um, experienced some turmoil in the past, and that's the pattern that we that we create because that's what we had created to survive in that moment of that, you know, event. When we start to, and I've done um, a little bit of work on understanding self awareness from an experiential neuroscience lens, and so we talk in in parts. Um, so when we're operating from a part of ourselves we're not operating from the one that observes and witnesses and has the awareness of all other parts we're operating from one part and when we do that there's a certain um, amount of like patterns that we we play out but when we get to know that part of ourselves when we get to know that part that um, feels a certain way they all have different purposes needs wants desires when we understand what our own parts need, then we can bring them into the collective and then operate from the one that observes rather than the one that is coming from all different directions. Yes, and yeah, and I guess when you, yeah, you have that understanding of your own patterns and you're coming from a place of awareness, it's that the micro macro thing. You can then look at the world on a macro level yeah. and the, the patterns that are there mm-hmm. and kind of see like oh well this thing keeps happening be it war or famine or whatever it is and actually sort of go back and look at the patterns that have keep um leading to these points yeah yeah definitely so it's it is all just kind of this reflection like the inner is all often the the reflection of what's happening on the outer exactly i mean whatever is happening on the inside of us is happening on the outside we see that as a reflection there's like so within as without you know there's that um that adage that uh we can refer to because what's happening in the world right now um the horrific events that are happening the the destruction of our environment and our climate is the reflection of what's happening within us right now as well and so having an awareness of ourselves um, and being able to um, adapt and shift and transform ourselves, we're going to see that transform on the outside as well. Yes. Yeah. And so you kind of mentioned it before um, that imaginal is this, it's a place where you kind of uh, curate everything that you've learned um, and practices that have helped you kind of over the last few years. What else do you kind of share um, and what information do you share with your community to kind of help with that inner healing and kind of show the the different ways that we could be in the world? Yeah, yeah, beautiful question. I think Nat, Isis and I have really taken all of the things that we have learned and built up over our life and um, the life learnings that we've had and the beautiful teachers and guides and mentors and magicians and all of the people in our lives to come together into this uh, community where we can learn with each other and learn from each other. So this is a space to create space and that is the the theme of my life I think I feel like it's like you know the mission that I've had since I left um, work is always to create space to connect with ourselves with each other and with the natural world and that's what we do at Imaginal you know we connect with each other community is so important especially in these times we connect with 
the learnings and, and study and get inspired by ancient and new ways of being, you know, we're changing those patterns, right? We're changing the patterns that we have had that aren't working and not there for us anymore. And then we're also sharing about how we can connect to the natural world and the sacred in a way that's going to help all beings thrive, you know, so they're the kind of like elements to that. And we do that by receiving, we do all the practices and we do that by learning and inspiring. And we do that by integrating as a community. So we have a forum to talk about it. Yes. Amazing. And I think a a course you're currently running is all around kind of the wisdom of trees, Yeah, (laughs) which I just think is, I think that is so beautiful. And I think it's, it's this, to me, it seems like this signal or this shift in the way we view or can view the natural environment. And like you just said, obviously that connection between self and nature and our planet is so vitally important. And with this course, it's almost like there's this, it, it shows this respect. Yeah to say trees but also kind of the natural world itself yeah and yeah I'd, I'd love to hear kind of I guess more about that course because I mm-hmm. think it, it just seems so beautiful yeah and the importance of almost that shift in perspective in how we view yeah. nature yeah oh definitely it's the approach that we take and I mean I've always been fascinated by trees they are just the most incredible magnificent beings and when we put this course together, it was really to pay homage to these life-giving trees that allow us to take this breath that we're taking right now. You know, that's the connection that we're wanting to um, imbue in this course is how they are part of us. You know, they are the they are our lungs right now. Yes. You know. And, and they have an incredible network and a communication system between their trees, like between all of the trees. They have, uh, instead of a survival of the fittest, it's survival of the symbiotic relationships, you know, and that's something that I think we can learn from in these days. And one um, of the, the ways that we're doing that is through – understanding their ecology so understanding how they work and like all the different trees and creating a relationship with these trees like we have in the past mythological aspects of trees because every human group has had some connection to a sacred tree as their center you know and that's all over the world sometimes they wouldn't even have a a connection with each other at that point but they all had a sacred connection to the tree it was part of their mythology and and the cosmologically how we can understand from them as within so without how we are a part of this um, sacred agreement that we've kind of forgotten about yes. you know and it is a representation of how we can commune with the natural world in a way that is reverent that is sacred so that we can shift our approach to how we work with it exactly yeah and like where do you think we lost that connection and that respect and I mean that's such a huge question you know it's like (laughs) but you know like why do you think we're at this this point where there is no generalization but there is that 
disconnect and yeah. there isn't that reverence for yeah. the trees and the earth and our reliance and our interdependence on yeah. or you know with with the world and yeah. the, the natural world I mean, I think it's, as we were talking about before, it starts with how we've potentially disconnected from ourselves um, because we are nature, we are part of the natural world. So if we've disconnected to ourselves, then we've actually broken that connection to the rest of the natural world as well. And I think that plays out in a lot of different ways. But I think, you know, the for the victory of progress in our society, I think that takes more priority than um, reverence and reciprocity to the life-giving nature of all plants, animals, beings in this world. Um, we've lost that sense of reciprocity, of feeding those that feed us. Yes. Yeah. What you just said is is so powerful in if we're disconnected from ourselves or we need nature to connect back to ourselves and, and vice versa. That is... Mm such a powerful thought and philosophy yeah. and it, it sort of um, highlights that connection and I think often we can just think of, of nature as what we get back from it and we take and we take and it's yeah. very extractive. Exactly. There's, there's no... Reciprocity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, and that's because we've viewed it as a resource rather than a... As a family member. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and like Timo Granzotti, who's in one of the teachers in the, in the course, I'm going to paraphrase, but he shared that we have uh, been a solution in this dynamic between the natural world rather than the problem in previously. So this narrative of what... Um, we're experiencing as being the problem is actually new and it's a it's a small story of what we have had and our relationship we've had with with nature we've been pollinators we've been propagators we have been assimilators and facilitators of creation right in the past it's like how do we remember those ways and that's part of what we're doing in um, the course is remembering those ways and Isis also is also one of the teachers and, and co-founders in this um, Tree of Life course and she talks about like communing with the trees like they are our family members yes, and, and every living being rather than a resource to, you know, cut down for houses or for furniture and for all of those things. And if we do do that and that's okay, how do we give back to them so that there is a reciprocal nature. We're not just taking, taking, taking. We're yes. planting trees. We're doing it in ways that is sustainable. There's lots of things that Timo shares in the um, in the course around practices that they do in Japan to actually keep the trees still standing and they just carve off a little bit of the trees so they, they still stand. Yes. So there are different ways that we can do this um, and what it comes down to is reverence and reciprocity. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it's almost like when you have that connection and you're in communion with something like a tree or all of nature, yeah. you start to see it as a whole system or almost like a mm. whole being and how it all works together yeah. rather than just a tree or just the ocean or just uh -huh. these, these reductive like single things. Yeah. You see how, yeah, the relationship between all of these elements and how they work together. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think if we also saw it like that, that would change the way we combat some of the ecological or climate issues or, you know, environmental issues that we face because currently we're dealing with all of these issues as single yeah. things. Yep. You know, and I always think like, oh, great, awesome, like that everyone's talking about reducing carbon and all of these things. That's a great discussion. Yeah, totally. But if we, you know, reduce our carbon, that doesn't mean that everything's fixed. Yeah, yeah. There's, they all work together. They all work together. There's a whole systems approach that needs to, to be made. And I think, you know, even when we go to the doctors and we get this one thing, you know, ailment, um, fixed and then there's something else that happens over here um, and that's where we have like a holistic doctors and all of those that like look at the whole system it's very different to like the medical system that has um, certain approaches which is like that's what they're trained for and they do a very good job for that you yes. know like that's what is, is needed but there's a different perspective and approach to um, make optimizing things rather than just fixing things yes and I remember when I was at the Daintree Rainforest, which is, you know, one of the oldest rainforests in the world, and I was just like marveling at these incredible trees and all of the creatures that were a part of this like great ecosystem, right? There you had the like the canopy of the trees providing um, providing those benefits for the the ones down below, the epiphytes on the on the trees through to the fungi and the creatures like transforming um, the leaves um, into compost so that they can regenerate again and like there's this like beautiful cycle of life. And then I realized in that moment that we're probably the only being that doesn't have their beneficial impact in this ecosystem you know like we're the ones that are still remembering how to be just like the epiphytes or the um the fungi in the ground we've forgotten our like relational rhythm in that space yes and that's something that we need to remember and it's almost a what needs to happen to kind of combat to this these crises that we're having, you know, in, in every aspect of climate, et cetera, is a spiritual revolution to understanding that we are part of this ecosystem and that we have a sacred connection to this beautiful place that we call Earth. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's not easy. No, but God, when you put it no. like that, yeah. it's it's yeah, it's remembering where we come from. Yeah which is big but it's also very simple yeah because it's it's who we are and it's our home it's a lens to see the world through you know like how we make our decisions how we think how what we say what we do how practice in our lives we can just do it doesn't have to be a huge shift it just has to be subtle to include that in the frame of decision making that we have in our yes. days you know how we you know what we do with our money how we purchase things shows what we want to keep continuing and what we don't for example with organic food I know it's expensive but it's also expensive um, on our health as well not doing that yes but what we choose to spend our money on is um, our vote towards something Yes. You know, and that's a very simple one to kind of incorporate into our worlds. Um, you know, in my area, there's a compost bin, right, that gets put into um, our apartment building. And that's an easy thing for me to do. I just get all the compost and I put it in the bin. 
pretty yes. easy and that's going to create some soil for, for to regenerate this earth. So like there's this simple things that we can do in our lives to shift back into that reciprocity, yeah, sacred agreement. Yes, and it's um, it's also it's like yeah, like you're saying the intention behind it. Yeah. So these really small things like putting food scraps in the compost instead of um, just the bin. Yeah. It's like the intention behind that, and the intention behind all these tiny things. There's so much power in that, and it's yeah. it's like a signal that we care. Yeah. We're giving back in some way. It doesn't have to be huge um, ways that we do that. I mean, great if you can do that too. But, you know, to break it down into small things that we can take ownership of and accountability for, um, even the way that we, like, walk through the park, like, is there, like, a, a moment where you just feel like, thank you, you yes, know, <laughs> like, yes. just little things like that. Like, it's something that I always – um, share with my son like we talk to the sun we talk to the moon we talk to the plants we talk to the trees uh, we, we ask permission to take a flower off the um, a plant you know there's this like what we just the small little things that we can share and and yeah just have reverence for I think goes a long way yes yeah exactly exactly and if our modern world is you know there's so many incredible things about it so this is not a diss on you know the modern no, world yeah but just we're so kind of out of touch and out of the rhythm of nature in terms of um, seasons like we can get any type of fruit or vegetable mm. at any time of year yep. we can have the same temperature in our house any time of year mm-hmm. so we're not kind of we're not in rhythm with nature yeah yeah. And that's not necessarily – I'm not saying that's bad, but it means it furthers that disconnect and not needing to be in tune Yeah, because we – it's a control thing. Yeah. It's, you know, humans – Comfort. Comfort, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And there's a balance between mm-hmm. comfort and discomfort. Yeah. But it's this um, – yeah, it's like this control over the natural world mm. and I think – you know, sometimes that's good and necessary, but it's also like um, maybe potentially gives us a different idea of where we fit in the natural world and our importance yeah. in it. Well, yeah, just I think the awareness of it, you know, yeah. the awareness of the cycles that I mentioned before, like they they do play a part in the way that we are. Like, you know, when something doesn't feel very good for you, there's like something going on and then you speak to a friend and they're feeling the exact same thing, you know, there's – um, there's energies and everything at play, whether there's something that you've subscribed to or not, there are things that are happening at play and how we, when we become more sensitive and attuned to those, the more that we flow with life rather than we push through it, <laughs> you know, like be like, oh, maybe it's not the time to start that project or maybe it's time to have a little rest. Maybe it's time to slow down. Maybe it's time to revive up, you know, like yes. there's, you know, different cycles, like the seasons do that so beautifully, right? They, the trees actually do it very poetically, you know, they, when it's winter, they just, they just stand there and they just like 
they rest and they recoup. They're not trying to grow anything. They're just chilling, yes. you know, literally. And yeah. then, um, and then when it's time to bloom, then it's like on. They're like, let's do this. Like it's such an, a beautiful like moment. And then when there's time to let go, they just let they all turn gold and red and yellow. And then they just fall to the ground so gracefully. And I'm like, yes, yes. that's what we need to do more of yes. because maybe it doesn't happen every like three or four months for us. But there are times in the week, there are times in our day that we just need to be more attuned to. And that's where our nervous system cycles come into to play, more attuned to the cycles that we have and the patterns that we have and, and knowing when to rest and when to, when to do. <laughs> yes. And as a woman, we are, say, very cyclical. Yeah, definitely. Beings. Yeah. I've always thought... So where I would say we're more um, kind of in touch or in, in connected to nature, not that men aren't, but, you know, as women we are very cyclical, mm. nature is very cyclical. And I would say that's often been seen as something negative and, you know, a bad thing and something that we want to stop or mm. shut down. Yep. But I think that's actually so much of... Um, the power that women can hold. Yeah, definitely. And I think since having a child, I've really thought more about being a woman mm. and power is not necessarily the right word, but this kind of strength that women hold. Strength. Yeah. And that's the strength that women hold isn't necessarily what we see as strength. Yeah. So as a woman and, mm. a, and, and as a mother, mm. Where do you kind of see, yeah, the strength of the feminine, I guess where it's, why it's needed now? I really mm. feel like now is this point in time where this feminine energy and feminine power is so needed and there's almost this shift yeah. kind of um, from the masculine to the feminine. Yeah. And, yeah, it feels like such a big thing at the moment. Yeah. And, yeah, have you kind of felt that? What do you oh, yeah. think about yeah. about being a woman and <laughs> love it? <laughs> where I just think women will change the world. Essentially, yeah. I think we we will um, co shape it with the masculine in yeah. a really beautiful way. And I, as someone that was really in my masculine, especially in the corporate world, and I. I put my hand up and I definitely um, skipped my moon cycles, you know, with contraceptives, et cetera. And that's like just a, I guess, a um, signal that a symbol of yes. where I was at at that point. Um, and I think it's really interesting since leaving the corporate world and really finding that slowness and that softness and, one of my mantras that I've been really feeling into over the last few years, especially since being a mum, is strengthen the spine and soften the heart. So that's kind of how I would describe um, femininity for me is that strength and that courage and that caring and protectiveness and all of those things, qualities that come with it, but with a soft heart. Yes. You know, with a gentle heart, with kindness, um, with compassion. And for me, that's how I, I really step into that femininity and, and, and want to be able to share from that space. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that you, you can do both. You, you can, can do have both. this strength, but with compassion and kindness and, 
yeah, love. Mm. And it's like that that piece seems to be missing. Yeah. You know, and seeing each other as human beings. Yeah. Well, I feel like it takes strength to be kind in this world sometimes. You know, it takes the strength and the courage to have an open heart and to have understanding because it is, you know, it can be hard sometimes. You know, there's a lot of dynamics at play. Um, How do we lead with kindness and forgiveness and acceptance? And I feel like those are the um, qualities that are needed right now. Yes. Yeah. And you kind of mentioned it before, but do you think – do you think becoming a mother kind of awakened this mm. in you? Yeah, awakened a lot in me. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, been one of the biggest developments of myself in my whole entire life and I've done a lot of self-development. It's been a beautiful unravelling of who I want to be and how I show up in the world and and that really um, – it's been a very beautiful medicine of surrender, actually. <laughs> yes, is that would you say surrender is one of the biggest things you've kind of taken or learned from from being a mum? Surrender, hundred percent, and also tuning back into the magic of being alive as something that River has just over and over just shows me just with how he interacts with the world. I'm like, yeah, birds are so cool. (laughs) You know, he loves them. And I'm like, yeah, these beautiful beings that can fly. Like, how cool is that? You know, just coming back to that, like, magic and miracle every day. Yes. Yeah. And young kids, River's three, is he three? Almost three, in March. So he got a little bit to go. Yeah. Yeah. But kids... I don't know what the the point is or the age is, but little kids, they don't have any of the crap, you know, the conditioning yeah. and the yeah. the walls. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, they 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 almost see the world actually as it is, yeah. rather than yeah. with all the lenses and um, stories and traumas and you know experiences that happen as you grow up. That yeah. sort of start to or can start mm. to cloud and change the way you see the world. Whereas yeah. kids, it's just they really see it. Yeah, it's pure. It's so pure. Yeah, it's so incredible to watch and witness um, River just interacting with the world. Yes. And, yeah, I feel like, you know, I'm guiding him, but he's also guiding me, you know. Like I feel like we've definitely had some past lives together. Like it's really? just oh, 100%. Yeah, I, I could feel – who he was going to be when he was in my womb. Like oh, wow. I was la- like I was laughing because he's very funny. And so I was laughing like out of nowhere just like, you're funny, like I could feel it. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> it was really cool, yeah. Yeah, it's such a um, the beautiful connection, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And what you just said about um, he's taught you a lot, mm. it's also I think it's a um, – Having a child or in a, a relationship between a parent and a child is symbiotic. Oh, yeah. It's, it's two-way, mm-hmm. you know, and I think yep. sometimes um, being a parent can be perceived as this. It's all, it kind of one way. Yeah. But it, it's just I don't think it works like that. It's like this, again, it's almost the reciprocity. 100%. You know, which oh, I think yeah. when you look at it like that, it can completely change 
the way you parent and just how you view the relationship with the child. Oh, totally. I mean, we're just mirrors for each other, aren't we? Like they're literally mirroring us. Yes. And um, we can see ourselves in them with the way that they respond because we're like, oh, where did they learn that? Yes. <laughs> you know, where did they learn that? And um, it's a really beautiful and loving accountability and checkpoint of like, you know, what you want to model in your life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And becoming a mother, you sort of touched on it before, but what has it kind of, I guess, shown you about the world in the sense of the value of kind of women and being a mother and our women and the um, the undertaking of mothering? Is that valued? I mean, it's probably one of the most important things in the entire world, the way that we model and shape to our children. Whatever we say, whatever we do becomes their thoughts and their actions. And so if we want to change the world for the better, we have to start there in childhood, especially in these primary years of their existence, you know, like two and and almost three, there's, um, there's... so much that they absorb on a daily basis and how we can um, allow them to receive the foundations of being a human and take care of themselves is probably the biggest resource and um, thing that we can do to change the world. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so for the way you kind of parent and your parenting philosophy, I guess, what a – what are the things that you do in terms of the way you connect and, and parent river that are kind of, yes, fundamental to, to your yeah. um, philosophy as a parent? Yeah, sure. I mean, what I want to do is show up as the most loving and aware human that I could possibly be in each moment. And how do I foster safety and connection and compassion and curiosity as the foundations of our relationship and model those in a really good way because safety and connection is the thread that weaves us all together. It's something that we need to be able to have that full expression of self is when you have safety and you have connection. It's compassion because how we relate to ourselves, how we talk to ourselves, all the different parts of us and how we talk to others is so important in how we go about our daily lives. And the curiosity is what I touched on before is like, how do we have that magic and awe and wonder and reverence and sacredness to the world, you know, like teaching him to speak to the plants and give the plants a kiss and cuddle and um, and all of those things to like really bring out the magic. And as I said, that's a medicine that River has reshared with me. And when we, when we do all of those things, then we're able to commune in a beautiful way, in a symbiotic way, as you mentioned before, with each other and the world. Yes. Yeah. And that's such a good point because if we're, if we're raising children who see the world and respect the world – the decisions they make as they get older, yeah, will that will change the world, and they'll yeah. grow up with this, um, yeah, just with the connection and the love, and um, actually seeing the world around them, yeah, and their lens, their lens, yeah, yeah. and then you know how they live, what they do, 
you know, how they kind of solve problems will be completely different because they're coming at it from kind of having this um, strong foundation of respect and love for themselves and what's around them. Yeah, and all beings. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and I I also think it's important in parenting to when we step out of alignment in those things to take accountability and uh, acknowledgement of those actions, for example, and I'm glad that it's in the minority of our experience, but when I raise my voice with River, I make sure that I get to him on eye level and I say sorry. I look him in the eyes and I say, I'm sorry that mommy raised her voice. That's not how I should have approached that. Yes. And the act of doing that, that ritual of repair when we just are in our humanness, we are human and this is what happens sometimes when we're dysregulated and that's another point that I love to share with Rivi is the ways in which we can regulate and balance and create space, etc. But when we're not regulated because sleep's not a really cool thing, you know, for parents, um, you know, all of the things that allow us to feel in balance, when we're not in that space, we have to take a th- accountability for that so that they know that when they step out of alignment that there's a way back into alignment. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and like you just said, that is part of being human, you yeah. know, being emotional, dysregulated, yep. not behaving in a way, you know, may have wanted to. Mm. But, yeah, showing your kids that that's okay and the repair and just admitting that you did yeah. something wrong. Well, yeah. Or not wrong, but, you know. Out of alignment. Exactly. Yeah. Is, is a really powerful lesson for little kids. Well, it shows that you respect them. Yes. And that, you know, they're not just children, they're human beings. And, you know, if you were to raise your voice at a friend, I'm sure that that would be a, a repair, a ritual of repair with them. So, you know, the same respect should be to every single human being and non-human being, yes. you know, like how um, how we commune. And when we step out of alignment, because we do, because that's just our human nature, like we can't be these perfect beings all the time and that's okay. Yes. But how we respond after the fact is is very important. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I saw it was probably a meme, but I saw this thing, oh, it was a few weeks ago, but it was, I can't remember exactly, but the premise of it was kind of if we raise our kids to be themselves and being comfortable being them, being themselves and being able to express themselves yeah they won't need to spend their 20s finding themselves exactly and i thought i'd never thought about that yeah. but it's such a beautiful i think that is such a yeah a beautiful kind of approach oh definitely i've i've been thinking about that a lot because obviously with um imaginal we're sharing all these different practices for people to connect with themselves again etc and I've been thinking into it, how do we share these practices and rituals now with the children so that they have the resources that they don't have to do when they're in their 20s and 30s, they have them from now so that those adjustments to life circumstances that happen, they're already equipped to be resourced enough to be able to deal with them. Yes. You know, so that's something that is very close to my heart and there's a few things that I'm going to be um, creating based on that. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, and then the kids are, um, yeah, they have the skills yeah. to then 
like you said, things will always happen and life's up and down. But to have those then skills is so empowering. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like a a lot of the things that, you know, Dave, my partner, and I do um, is to really model what can happen with Rivi and, you know, he's always invited into the tea um, space, you know, after he wakes up, he comes and joins me and sits on my lap while I have tea and, like, you know, it's a bit fiddly and wiggly and all of that sort of stuff. But, like, he's seeing that I put value on this experience. Um, We do a – we share a prayer of intention in the morning with either some sage or frankincense and um, and he sits there and he like puts his hand to the smoke to like take it in and, you know, like all of those little things. He stretches with me, he, starts, he does yoga with me, all of those um, aspects of taking care of my body and my mind and my spirit and my heart is really important, how we hold space for him and his emotions um to say that it's okay to feel like this that's cool let's just work through it you know yes and you know knows that dave goes to the gym like four times a week he's like daddy's at the gym and i was like yeah and loves to like his make believe is actually quite interesting because you know people that children share what they learn and everything through their make believe and and maybe some things that they're um, experiencing emotionally, they'll act it out in their make-believe and their play, right? That's how they express it. And so like River, his make-believe entails going to the sauna, um, making broth, oh my God, um, chlorophyll with water, gives me a chlorophyll with water, reishi and honey, you know, like because these are the things that we've, we just live, that's how yes. we live. And yes. so these uh, practices are instilled in him that he's like pretending to go to the sauna you'll just do like a little box and then you'll go in and he's like I'm just in the sauna you want to come in the so sauna cute. I'm like yeah I'd love to go to the sauna with you <laughs> yeah. and he's actually come to the sauna with us twice just for a couple of minutes and he loved it um but yeah like he's the one that comes and says mama uh, vitamin c like he has his vitamin c in the morning and all of that sort of stuff so I think the way that we live and how we model the way that we live is what they are going to do so yes it all again comes back to self yes, <laughs> coming it, back full cycle yes. but it it does come back to the way that we take care and tend to things is how others feel inspired to take um care of themselves and tend to themselves yes yes a hundred percent it's like being the lighthouse yeah you know and just showing a different or just a way of living and being yeah rather than telling people how they should live because yeah. it's actually just about yourself. Yeah, and no one listens anyway. No, and exactly. No one wants to be told what to do. And, and it's different for everyone. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. it's it's just sort of um, it almost then maybe allows people to then explore what works for them. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And that's the premise, right? It has to be something that you're connected to, that yes. that you relate to because something that I do, you'd be like, that's so boring. I don't want to do that. Um, and then other things that I'd be like, oh, that's not for me, but that's cool. It's yes. like whatever it is, there's, um, there's so much out there that you can attune to. It's all that matters is that you're creating space for yourself, that you're listening to yourself and that with all of that you're creating some kind of balance yes. you know because we're always balancing we never come back and we never come into balance like this earth is currently rebalancing itself at every moment there's no state of where it achieves balance same with us we're never going to achieve balance 
but we're going to be balancing enough to make it feel good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You mentioned before that when you're a little girl, your dream was to be a businesswoman <laughs> with a briefcase, <laughs> which you did. Yeah. Um, but I would also say you're still doing. Yeah. And if you think about being a businesswoman now mm. versus what you thought about being a um, businesswoman when you were eight, yeah. how do they look different mm. and what does a businesswoman I guess mean to you mm. today yeah I mean I think business woman isn't like a word that I would describe myself as I think for me it's a what am I in service to and it might sound a little bit like oh, what are you talking about but like that's what I feel I'm doing I feel like I'm being in service to something like even imaginal it's its own being now it's like separate from that nicest and I you know it's something that I'm in service to the community creates the environment as well and like how it it is co-shaped so I feel like I'm in service to that and whatever it needs to evolve into next you know it's like how do I tend to that like I tend to anything in my life um I feel like with saying that, you know, there is obviously all of the like operational and financial and all of those things that play a part in it. And, um, and I like to kind of like tune into that because I enjoy that as well. You know, I really enjoy that. I love, I love to be organized and I love to have everything systematically like organized and, and created. So I think that aspect of me as an eight year old still stands, but the way I approach, um, my service and what I offer in the world is just, is different. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And would you say what you viewers, I mean, yes, but what, <laughs> now today, how would you describe a successful life mm. and what does success kind of look like for you? A success for me feels like just stepping into the day just feeling so resourced and ready for anything that comes my way you know I just want to feel joy I want things to feel slow slow living is like the biggest thing for me and I love just like rolling into the day and doing my practice in the morning before Ruby wakes up and and just like allowing things to flow I feel like success for me feels like flow and that means through abundance, you know, from what comes in, what goes out. It is about the joy that I feel when I'm sharing and um, offering all of the things, how I'm helping others or supporting others as like my offering and my service. It has to like feel that reciprocal and um, prosperous, you know, for everybody involved. You know, I feel like that feels good for me when I know that what I'm doing is being well received and and likewise it's coming back to me in that, in those like feedback and all of those things that come with it. For me, it's it comes down to like like reciprocity. You know how I feel good in that. How I'm, what I'm giving is coming back, etc. Like that's what success feels like to me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Which is is the opposite of what success might be seen as generally. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's how much joy can I – 
like joy is an incredible success measure I feel like if you're not feeling joy or like flow like Mm -hmm. flow is also a really big thing for me like to be in like expression and to be creative and to have that I think that is so important to me personally how I live my life I want to feel in flow and I want to feel creative I want to feel like I'm making a difference in some way yes you know and and of course I that reciprocity of like what comes back to me as well so that I can sustain my life too so it's like that's what success is for me it's like what I give back it also sustains me you know like that's what's successful because then everyone's happy yes Yes. yes, and I guess being in flow also takes away the almost fixation on the end result. Yeah. So if you're creating something, yeah, it's the flow of it. I could be wrong, but for you is it sort of like it's, you know, the process mm-hmm. and the flow of that rather yeah. than then the end result. Yeah, it's the becoming. It's actually oh. the creative process that I love. Like I love that, you know, all the there's some things that I'm creating at the moment that I'm just like, yes, I'm like getting like so excited and inspired by it. Um, yeah, I think that's what allows my, my system to feel nourished, right? And I think that's for me as another success factor is how nourished I feel and how nourished my family feels. You know, I think – that that encompasses a lot of things like balance and peace and and flexibility in in emotion you know because yes. you can't always be happy all the time but there's like a flexibility and adaptability to to, to moments that that do arise yes yeah amazing that's yeah. A, the how nourished you and your family feel is a beautiful yeah <laughs> it's such a lovely way yeah because also if you sort of have that lens you have to again tune back into yourself and think like how am I feeling Mm. do I feel nourished what do I need to do to get back to that place oh definitely I think that's a that's a constant um, dialogue that I have within myself like if I'm feeling off I'm like okay I think I need to go for an ocean swim I need to go do this this and that and then I'll come back you know, there's like there's always like a rebalancing that's happening within me, like because I'm so attuned to my system now. Yes. Um, with all of the the work that I did with my beautiful friend and um, Michelle Beatty, and around understanding self, mm-hmm. um, all of that learning is so ingrained in me now that I can't help but notice what's happening in my system. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is. <laughs> I, like I would say I was very disconnected from myself and it's maybe only in the last six years maybe, yeah. say. Mm. And now I'm like I wouldn't know when I was getting my period, say. Yeah. And then I'd get it and I'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's why I said that's a very simple <laughs> yeah, um, totally. uh, example. Mm. But now I, I just feel when you kind of uh, – and I'm not perfect by any means, but when you start to reconnect with yourself, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. this is what it feels it like. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. all makes sense. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because you're attuned with the cycles at play. Yes. Yeah. No, for sure. It's um, it's refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, you often have to go through a lot of shit to, you know, get back to that place. 100%. I definitely did. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Of course, yeah. I mean – 
you know, as I said, like I was so disconnected that I was skipping my moon cycle. I was like, you know, just like full, like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And the only thing that would allow me to stop and slow down is if I got sick. And that's why I got sick. Right. You know, like that's the disconnection that I had experienced for a long time. Yeah, you know, like five years, like probably longer. I can't even remember. Yes. Um, of that, you know, just constant going and not taking a, a second to just be like, hey, how you doing? Yes, <laughs> yes. You know, um, so that's a very like vast and like contrast to where I am now. I mean, there's times like obviously that I, I feel, you know, not in a, in a great space, but that's, there's an awareness of that and there's a resources to help move out of that too. Yes. Yeah. So if you got sick today yeah. versus, say, getting sick six years ago, yeah. is it like you see that as a, a moment where you just need to stop and yeah. rest? And I love it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is nice. Yes. Yeah, I just like I, I just honour where I'm at basically. Yes. You know, like if I need to rest – I I open my whole heart and arms to do that. Yes. <laughs> you know. And prior to that, last, you know, 6 years ago, I would be working on my laptop in bed while I'm, you know, while I'm sick and like all the rest of it, you know. Like even there was one time that I had influenza, I was in hospital. <laughs> right. I don't know how long ago this was, and I got on a plane 2 days later to go to Tulum. Like, yes. what? <laughs> you know, like there's like just like little examples of um, how disconnected I was, you know, yes. which I would never dream of if I was sick in hospital and then two days later I'd be like, I'm not going. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so there's like, there's just, these are just little like symbols of like how when we don't listen to each other, we say yes to things that we no, we don't want to do, but we feel like we're inclined to. Maybe that people please apart is taking the leadership in the system rather than being a contributor to the system when making decisions, etc. Those are the um, the signals that perhaps there might be some disconnection there, and to take a moment to to just tune in. Yes. Yeah. And it also means you can then think about what nourishes you and what depletes you yeah like you said if you're just saying yes to everything yeah there may not be that awareness of like oh did that actually did I get something back from that and did it nourish me or am I just even more depleted yeah totally yeah and I think when you're just in that system of like saying yes to everything without checking in first yes you know and it's okay to be like I'm just going to take a moment to see if that's going to be something I want to do um, and but we're always inclined to be like, yes, I want to do that. And then later on, you're like, damn it, <laughs> I got so much on, you know. Yes. So I think there's like this, um, yeah, awareness of self that allows you to just take a moment to, and be okay in the pause. Yeah, you know, be okay in the pause before responding. And I think that's a that's a different way of approaching it. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so, what's next for you? What's kind of in your world, in your, you know, what are you creating? What's kind of, yeah, on the horizon for you? I feel like I'm just feeling really inspired at the moment. <laughs> and so there's there's lots of things like on the horizon and, 
you know, the next stages of Imaginal, what that looks like, um, you know, hopefully doing more some in-person um, events because everything at the moment's uh, online. Um, and then, as I mentioned before, like there's some things I want to do in the um, children's space um, to provide resources and um, tools to help them in emotional regulation and uh, just be able to tune into themselves and each other so through books and other tools um, as well as potentially a course so oh amazing yeah so there's a few things like on the horizon like literally it was just yesterday that we oh, were wow. that came into um, into play so yeah like we're just um, I'm just kind of moving with it all and, and seeing what happens and, and doing it in a slow way so that I don't jump to anything yes amazing well that sounds incredible yeah like (laughs) really incredible yeah thank you yeah it's been cool it's I I never thought that I would be doing this like seven years ago (laughs) I was like I thought just on that corporate path etc and then now I just feel like there's like infinite ways to express yes yes and a trust is there Mm. just a trust of I'll try this thing. This is coming to me. I want to. I feel like I want to create this. Yeah. I'll just try it and just trust. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I just. I feel like there's um, potential and possibility that that wasn't there before. Yeah, that there's. I mean, I've always not always, but in these last like six years of um, exploring, I've realized that human beings are just infinite in the ways that they can express and we often limit ourselves in in lots of different ways you know I'm not going to be an astronaut or anything like that but like in the ways that I feel resonant for me that come up and naturally come up then just try it you know just give it a go and and see what happens I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Brooke and, yeah, got a different perspective on the ways that we can kind of view ourselves, life, and also how we commune with nature. As always, if you liked it, please rate the show, share the episode with someone who you think might like it, and I hope to see you back here next week.